0: Hello, friends. I'm so glad to have you all here today. This is Laura Hutchinson, and you are listening to Love God and Your Neighbor. I am posting this a little late in the week because uh, Easter was on Sunday, and it was a really busy day. And um, I'm just now coming down off the high of Holy Week and recovering from all of the activities of Lent and I've had an opportunity to sit here and think about how wonderful God is and how wonderful the Easter season is. So I hope that you enjoy this sermon and that it touches you in, uh, in your hearts and in your minds in a way that allows you to open yourself up to God just a little bit more. God loves us all so very much, and the resurrection is proof that God will do anything to bring us home to Him. Have a blessed day and a blessed week, and I love you all. Bye.
1: Join to stay.
0: scripture comes from Romans 6, verses 3 through 9. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So I imagine that most of you here today are aware that today Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, is the holiest day of the Christian year. Amen. Do you know that this is our high holy day? Amen. Christmas is also a high holy day for us, of course, but without Easter, Christmas doesn't mean anything. If Jesus hadn't grown up to do what he did for creation, then we would not be concerned about Jesus' birth, would we? But because of all that Easter means to us, we have been set free, and that is certainly something to celebrate each and every day of our lives. Amen? The saying that we've been set free is another less loaded way of saying that we're saved, right? Some of us Christians are always talking about being saved, aren't we? And by we, I mean the collective we. We are all part of the one body of Christ. And so we represent each other. And so we like to ask people, if they have been saved. We like to talk about the moment that we were saved. We like to keep track of how many people we've saved, which is theologically, I would have questions about that one, or how many people were saved in our church each year. And unfortunately, some Christians like to tell other Christians that they're not saved because of something, some difference of opinion in how they live their lives or because of what christ or because of what they should or should not believe within the christian faith when i was in divinity school i lived in the seminary housing complex on campus for the whole four years that i was in school across the street from our apartment complex was a bus stop for the campus bus system and sometimes we would choose to ride instead of walk to class and sometimes There would be a man standing there for us, the same guy, every time, waiting for us. Every single time we saw him, he would ask us if we were saved. Yes, of course we are saved, we'd answer. We're in seminary, we're training to become ministers. But that didn't deter him, however, and week after week, he made it his priority to try and save these misled people who were being led astray by the liberal education system. It was annoying at best, but mostly it was just insulting. So for the sake of this most holy day and in order to avoid using such loaded and sometimes misused terminology, I'm not going to talk about how Jesus saved us. I am going to talk about how Jesus' selfless and heroic act of self-sacrifice combined with God's unyielding love for all people led to the fact that we have been set free from being held captive by our sinful desires and actions. That freedom that we have received is offered because of what this day remembers and celebrates. And that freedom was bestowed upon us the moment that we accepted God's gift of grace. The Apostle Paul said, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death. So that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. Amen. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Sin is a nasty thing, isn't it? It's also something that's difficult to define, which is evident in how differently so many Christian traditions and denominations choose to talk about it. So what I tell people is that sin is that thought, that word, that action... That hurts relationships, hurts others, hurts the innocent, hurts us, the sinner, and ultimately hurts God and our relationship with God. Most people are uncomfortable talking about sin, which is probably a good thing. It is best to approach this subject with a whole lot of humility and zero finger-pointing. I found that some people who like talking about it are often themselves sinning in the way that they use the topic to hurt and control others. And I don't have to elaborate on that because I know that all of you have that image in your head in some form or fashion. So in a word sin causes destruction, and according to Paul here, it causes death. Now we know that hate is simple Because it creates so much pain and anguish, both for the persons who are hated and for the person who is doing the hating. And we often see how that hate leads to other sins like violence and cruelty and pridefulness and oppression and injustice and so forth. We know that promiscuity is a sin because of how much risk there is for all parties involved and I mean risk to their physical health as well as their emotional, psychological, and spiritual health. We know that alcoholism is a sin because of the ripple effect of pain and destruction it causes everyone. But I personally don't think that just consuming alcohol is a sin. Having a drink of wine is not a sin unless it leads to overconsumption and hurtful behavior. And even then, the small, little, seemingly benign sins can cause a lifetime of pain and even death. A little lie here leads to another little lie there. And so on and so forth until a relationship has become completely eroded and there is no trust left. A relationship without trust is dead, right? I think those little sins might also cause little injuries to our spirits or our souls and our ties with God. Each sin is like a cut. A little sin is maybe a paper cut. A major sin like a deep knife wound. And each cut takes place, that takes place breaks us down, and slowly severs our connection to the one who created us and loves us more than we can ever comprehend. And once cut, those connections cannot be mended by anything that we do. We cannot rebuild something that we have so successfully destroyed. This past Thursday was Maundy Thursday, or Holy Thursday, we remembered the events that led to Jesus' crucifixion. After he was tried, convicted, and sentenced, he was flogged with a flagrum, a whip made of several heavy strips of leather which with heavy metal balls attached to the ends. And he was struck 40 times, every strike ripping through his flesh, coming just short of killing him. I sometimes imagine that each cut he endured in that beating was one of the cuts caused by our many sins. We know that Jesus never committed a single sin, yet sin is what ultimately what killed him. Not his sins, but ours. His suffering and death was perhaps what our souls go through if we don't experience divine intervention. One cut after another until we can barely stand on our own anymore. One cut after another until our souls finally bleed to death. But here's the amazing thing about this day. We have been freed from the consequences of our sins and we have been released from the death sentence that our sins lead us to. That's because Jesus endured the consequences of our sins. And he did it for us, so that we can be free to live in relationship with God now and forever. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. In the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, that's where you are, here, we accept all baptisms. And we do not require anyone who has been baptized in the name of Jesus to be re-baptized in order to join our church. So that means that you can be sprinkled or dunked at your last church, and that sacred ceremony still stands in this one. However, when we do baptisms in our church, we wait until you are old enough to decide that you are called to be baptized, and then we immerse you in water. We dunk you. We do it that way for many reasons that I'm not going to go into now. That's, that's a whole class, right? But the most important part for us to focus on here today is that the physical act of plunging you into the water, as Anne said so beautifully in her statement earlier. And then rising up out of the water, symbolizing our resurrection in Christ. Then stepping out of those baptismal waters, we walk in newness of life with Christ forever. Most of you know the story about how I became a mother a little over three years ago when Larissa and I were thrust together by circumstances beyond our control. Her story is made up of a series of events where God intervened in her life and rescued her from a terribly abusive environment. And I have her permission to tell this story just so you know And all of God's interventions got more and more obvious after she was baptized about five years before I ever even met her. She told me about that day when she went down into the baptismal waters and came out feeling different. She couldn't explain it, and the feeling was subtle, but she says she definitely felt different. Well, we know that confessing our faith and committing ourselves to God in baptism does change us. But something extra special happened. When she returned home after church that day, Larissa had proof that she had been transformed in some mysterious way. When she walked into her house after she had been baptized, all of the animals in that house, especially the six dogs, acted like they didn't know who she was. They barked at her like she was a stranger. And it took her a while to get them to realize that they knew her. She was quite literally a new person. And from that point on, Larissa's life became a journey with Christ that led her first to Griffin, her husband, then to this church and then to me and my family, making me a mom. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin, But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. There is no doubt that Christians' bodies die like everyone else's, right? I know that there are actually some folks out there who like to say that that if you're truly faithful, if you truly believe, God will heal you from all ailments. But the fact is, Eventually, we all die. Physically, at least. But in the resurrection of Christ Jesus, our physical death is not the end of our story, is it? Sin equals death for all of us. Unless we become people of the resurrection. Amen? On that glorious day, oh so many centuries ago, Jesus conquered death not just for himself but for all of us. Each one of those sinful cuts that we've inflicted on ourselves and on our relationship with God are healed in Christ's resurrection. They are healed in the same way as when Jesus rose from his grave, his wounds were healed as well. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death that he died, he died to sin. Once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We have been free, liberated, saved. I love that phrase in the scripture, alive to God in Christ Jesus. Like I can imagine that before Jesus, God looked upon the people of the earth and grieved because so many of his beloved children were dead to him. And I don't mean that in the sitcom, melodrama sort of way, like, you know, some some big mother screaming in a fit of rage at her child, you're dead to me. That's not what I mean. Now, I mean it more in the sense that the relationship had been severed by the sins that the people had committed. And so they were cut off from God, possibly forever. Can you imagine what a celebration it was in heaven when God resurrected Jesus from that grave? I wonder if it was like opening the floodgates and bringing all of God's children back into God's arms once more. It is Easter Sunday, the day that we celebrate the greatest thing God ever did for the world. Because of God's love for you, because of the resurrection, you are alive to God in Christ Jesus. Because of this day and God's selfless act of pure love, we will now and forevermore walk in the newness of life by the glory of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen? Amen.
1: you I was breathing but not alive all my failures I tried to hide it was my doom till I met you you called. My eyes are open Cause when you call my name